Well, this morning we're beginning our summer sermon series. It's called Unsatisfied. And I want to know, when was the last time that you felt unsatisfied? Maybe you've watched a bad movie recently. You get to the end and you go, oh, I've just wasted an hour of my life. Maybe you didn't get what you wanted for Christmas. Unsatisfied. Maybe you booked a holiday in Noosa and it rained the entire week. Wouldn't that be bad? When Janice and I lived in Sydney, uh, we, spent, oh, we were both studying at Bible College, so we didn't have a lot of money, but on the night of Janice's graduation, we decided we were going to splurge on a nice dinner out. So we booked a fancy restaurant in the city, the kind of place where people like me base their decision on what they're going to eat because of the price tag. And as I looked down the menu, it was all very, very, very expensive, and so I settled on the $36 ravioli. I even asked the waitress if I should order a side and was told no. And so you can imagine my disappointment. I was very hungry when out came three pieces of ravioli for my $36. Three! They weren't even big. I was unsatisfied. Well, friends, my plan today is to leave you feeling just like that. Today we're talking about money, and it is my hope that after listening to this sermon, money will be just as enticing to you as three pieces of $36 ravioli. It's my hope that you will look at money and feel that empty stomach feeling. I want to take your dreams about money and scratch the gloss off them. I want you to see that it's not all it's cracked up to be. Today, I want to leave you feeling completely unsatisfied with money. Now, why would I do that? It's not because I'm a killjoy. I'm not trying to ruin your day. The reason I want you to be unsatisfied with money is because I want to show you something far better. I want to leave you hungry because when you're hungry, you go looking for more, don't you? And today, Jesus offers you so much more than money. This is week one in our three-week summer sermon series called Unsatisfied. And so right now, I'm going to pray that we would leave this place feeling unsatisfied with money, but more and more satisfied by the one who came to offer us life to the full. So how about I pray? Lord God, speak to us this morning through your word. Help us to see that Jesus is the one who offers true satisfaction in this life. And may you help us see just how unsatisfying the things of this world are. Lord, grow our faith and our love in you, we pray, for our good and for your glory. Amen. All right, if you've closed your Bibles, keep them open there. Luke chapter 12 is where we are. And the middle chapters of Luke are are filled with Jesus' teaching. If you've got one of those Bibles where Jesus' words are shown in red, the page you're open to should be all red. It's basically all Jesus speaking, teaching people about what it means to follow him, what it means to be a disciple. He's out in public. He's teaching the people of how to be a Christ follower. And then in chapter 12, Jesus is interrupted. He's interrupted by a man in the crowd who comes to him and says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, if you're a younger brother like I am, you probably wish you had Jesus to settle some of your fights with your brother. 
But in those days, when a man died, his entire estate was transferred in whole to the oldest son. So this guy here approaching Jesus is probably not the oldest son, he's probably a younger son. His older brother has just inherited all of his dad's estate, and the younger brother wants a share. And so he comes to Jesus to try and get his support for his case. And Jesus basically says to him, not my problem. Have a look. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Jesus is saying, that's not my mission. That's not my job. I'm not here to decide your little dispute. He doesn't give his thoughts on who should get what in the will. But what he does do is speak right to the heart of the problem. He said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then Jesus goes on to say lots more about this problem. But before we come to what Jesus says, the first thing I want to see is what he doesn't say, which is impossible to see, but you know what I mean. Jesus doesn't say, watch out, be on your guard against money. He doesn't say money is the root of all evil. He doesn't say money is bad for you. And the reason he doesn't say any of those things is because money is very, very good. The whole Bible teaches that money is a good gift from God. If you think of it this way, it is the most liquid form of God's grace. It is the gift that can be turned into almost anything. That's an amazing gift. You can use money to feed your family and put a roof over their heads, but you can also use it to travel. You can use it to get an education. But then you can also use it to give to someone else to help them. It's completely transferable, completely versatile. It's an incredible gift. You see, money is not the problem in the world. It is good. Thank God for the money that you have. It is a good gift from God. A gift to be enjoyed, a gift to be shared. But the problem with money is when we get a distorted view of it. The problem is when we take a good gift and turn it into a God. That's greed. And that's the problem that Jesus goes on to talk about. That's the problem that Jesus says, watch out for. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. You see, greed is when you have a distorted view of money. It's when you see money to be something that it is not. When you allow money to have greater importance in your life than it should. It's when you look at money, look to money for things that money can't provide. And friends, the first thing Jesus wants you to know about greed is that it is deceptive. Jesus tells us to watch out for it. Be on your guard against it. Which is not something you need to do for plain obvious things, is it? Jesus never says, watch out that you don't steal. He doesn't say, be on your guard against murder. You know if you're doing those things. Murderers know they are murderers. It's plain. It's obvious. Greed is not like that. Greedy people do not know that they are greedy. Because greed is insidious. Greed is something that sneaks into your life unnoticed. Greed is deceptive. 
And the first lie that greed tells you is that you don't have a problem with greed. Other people are greedy, not me. That's the first lie that greed tells you. There was a study done in the US, this is a few years back. I couldn't find the data from Australia recently, but a few years back in the US, they asked a whole bunch of people whether they had enough money. And around a third of people with six-figure salaries reported having enough money to buy everything they need. Which means two-thirds of people think $100,000 is not enough to cover their needs. How is it that two-thirds of people in the richest... Uh, two-thirds of the richest people in one of the richest countries in the richest period of human history can think that they don't have enough? It's because greed is deceptive. But before you kind of smugly smile at the stupid rich people who don't realise how good they have it, just hold that smug thought for a little bit. Because the second thing that Jesus shows us about greed is that it's a problem that has almost nothing to do with how much you have. I'm sure most of you will have noticed that in Jesus' parable, the man with the greed problem is a rich man. It's a rich man who has the bumper crop. It's the rich man who tells himself to take life easy, to eat, to drink and be merry. It's a rich man who God calls a fool. It's a rich man who Jesus is making an example of, but don't miss the fact that the rich man is a fictional character. He's just a character in Jesus' story. The person in this encounter with a greed problem is the person that Jesus is talking to. The one that Jesus says, watch out for greed. The one who just got diddly squat from daddy's inheritance and is bitter about it. You see, Jesus is talking to a poor man. It's here that we see that greed is not a rich person problem. It's not a poor person problem. It's a human problem. It's a problem that comes in a variety of forms, which is exactly why Jesus warns us to be on our guard against all kinds of greed. You see, right here in the story, we see the greed of the younger brother that sees him longing for what he doesn't have. But we also see the greed of the rich fool that sees him gloating about what he does have. Two different kinds of greed. But they're both greed. There's the greed of the haves and the greed of the have-nots. But it goes further than this. There's the greed of the spender who maxes out their credit card to buy themselves pleasure. And you'll look at that person and say, aren't they greedy? But there's also the greed of the saver who doesn't spend anything because money is the only thing that makes them feel safe. That's also greed. There's the greed of the thoughtless husband who is too lazy to budget to make sure that his family has enough. And there's the greed of the husband who tracks every cent because he needs to feel like he's in control. You see, there's different kinds of greed And of all these kinds of greed, covering all different types of people, there is one greed that you won't see, and that's the kind that you have. You see, the only greed that we see is the kinds of greed that other people have. It's easy to see other people's greed. It's very difficult to see your own. It's easy to point the finger at someone else. It's hard to question yourself. 
And so the question is, how do we see our own greed? How do we expose that? How do we know if we have a greed problem? Well, as with any sickness, you need to learn to recognise the symptoms. And we see some symptoms of greed here in this passage, don't we? The first one we see is envy. You know you struggle with greed when you find yourself looking longingly at what you don't have. That's what the younger brother did, didn't he? He saw what his father owned, what his older brother now owned, and he wants it. He wants it enough to fight it out in public. That's not just a desire, that's a a compulsion. It's controlling him. He's willing to have his family torn apart over this thing that he doesn't have. That's envy. Envy is what happens when you forget that money is a gift. And you start to treat it as if it's something that you're owed. Something that you deserve. It's when you look at other people who have nice things or who have more money. And instead of saying, oh, isn't it good that God has given them that? You think, why can't I have that? But you'll never actually say that. No, like the disease, the symptoms too are deceptive. And so you'll never acknowledge envy. You'll never say, I have an envy problem. I've I've never heard anyone say that. Instead, what you'll do is say, I need that. Do you see what you've done there? You've turned a desire into a need. You'll say, I need it. I deserve it. Everyone has that you'll start to justify your wants by calling them needs. And you need to interrogate that thought for a little bit, don't you? Because there are very, very few things in life that you actually need. Think about that. The things that you put on your list as needs, how many of them would you die if you didn't have? Food, water, probably some medicine... There's not much else on that list. Clothing is a good one. I don't suggest going without it. But there are very few things in life that you actually need. And it's fine for you to have more than just your needs. Don't hear me telling you that you should only ever have your needs. But the moment that you start to recategorize your desires as needs is the moment that you're letting greed control you. Be honest with yourself. Say, this is something that I would want, something that I like. Don't call it a need. Alright, that's the first symptom, envy. The second symptom of greed we see is pride. And pride is what happens when you measure your life by your money, by your wealth. It's what the rich fool did in the parable, didn't he? You see, money was his goal. If he had money, he could have security, he could have joy, he could have comfort. Everything was fine as long as he had his wealth. But of course, everything was not fine. He thought he had made a life for himself, but of course, his life wasn't his in the first place. Just like his money, his life was a gift from God. And as the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. There's envy, there's pride. And the third symptom is what Jesus goes on to say after the parable... He goes on to talk about worry. And while envy affects those who don't have money and pride affects those who do have money, 
Worry is the great leveller. Because worry is the thing that unites us all. When you look to money for all your joy and all your security, you'll be crippled by fear, whether you have it or not. You see, if you have no money, you'll despair at having no money, at having no security, at having no comfort. But if you have money, you'll worry about losing it, about losing, maintaining that sense of security and comfort. See, worry is the level. Worry is the thing that you can have whether you have money or not. And so do you notice any of these symptoms in your life? Do you, do you catch yourself longing for things that your neighbours have, but that you don't have? Do you find yourself relying on your money as a measure of your worth? Do you feel good about yourself when the bank account is looking healthy? Do you feel bad about yourself when it's not? Do you worry about what might happen in the future because of your present financial circumstances? Because friends, all of these signs are that you have too high a view of money. That's what they're all pointing to. They're saying you have too high a view of money. You're looking to money for something that money can't provide. You're looking to money for satisfaction and satisfaction is the thing that money can't buy. So watch out. Hear Jesus' warning. Greed will deceive you into thinking that money will make you happy. It will make you think that money can make you comfortable and safe. It will make you think that money can give you control. My friends, they're all lies. It it can't do that. It was never meant to do that. Friends, it's my hope today that you will leave unsatisfied with money. That you'll see money for what it is. That you won't treasure it. That you won't long for it. That you won't think it is the thing that can provide you with security. It's my hope that those dreams will be dashed to pieces. But that's not where I want to leave you. Because there is something that you can do about greed. See, greed is sneaky, it's deceptive, it affects all of us, but we can overcome it. And the cure for greed is seeing that you've already been given something far more precious than money. And the key verse here is verse 32. Have a look at it. Because after telling the parable... After speaking at length about worrying about the things of this world, Jesus rounds out his teaching on money by looking at his followers with compassion. And he says, don't be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Do you see that? The cure for having too high a view of God's gift of money is to see that God is pleased to give you a better gift than money. God is preparing to give you a kingdom. Jesus is saying, stop worrying about money. That makes no sense. Why worry about something so trivial, so limited, when God is preparing eternal riches for you? He's giving you things that money can't buy. If you look to money, it can't provide the things you want. And Jesus is preparing something better for you anyway. And so friends, if you have Jesus, 
You don't need to look at money to make you happy. You can be set free from that compulsion because Jesus has given you every reason to rejoice. Friends, if you have Jesus, you don't need to look to money for hope. You have a sure hope that God is welcoming you into his own family. Friends, if you have Jesus, you don't have to worry about whether you have enough money for the future. Because Jesus has guaranteed your future. And it's an eternal future. Friends, if you have Jesus, then you can take money down off that elevated place in your life. And you can treat it for what it is. A tool. A useful tool. A good tool. A gracious gift from God that you can use for your enjoyment and that you can use to bless others. And friends, when you have that gift, that, that, that view of money, it, that's liberating, that's freeing. You won't need to worry, you won't need to despair, you won't need to be afraid. You can just get on with living for God's glory. Now friends, make no mistake, if you don't have Jesus, it makes complete sense to, to live your life for money. It makes complete sense to set your hope on money. But in Jesus, you have something far better. You have a heavenly treasure which can't be stolen, it can't be destroyed or damaged. You have joy and hope and security that will never be taken away. Never. You have satisfaction. And that means that you can live confidently, that you can live contently. You can live not longing for what you don't have but being grateful for what you do. It means you can live without worrying about money because money is not the thing that's going to make you safe. It's not the thing that's going to make you happy. It's not the thing that's going to secure your future. So you don't need to worry about it. It also means you can sell your possessions and give to the poor and know that you haven't lost a skerrick of wealth. Do you see that at the end there? Jesus says, don't be afraid. Give your money away. Now, make no mistake, giving money away is not going to fix your problem with greed. The thing that will fix your problem with greed is seeing God's grace to you, seeing that you've been given something more precious. But when you know that you've been given something more precious, well, you can give money away and not really worry about it. Now, if you don't have Jesus, you should be afraid giving away your money. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. You've been given a kingdom. So sell your possessions, give your money away. And you can do that without fear. Friends, that is a liberating thing. That is a satisfying thing. And so I'm going to pray and ask that God would help us to have this right view of money. But as I finish, let me finish with these words from Hebrews 13. Because they sum it up really beautifully. The writer to the Hebrews writes, Keep your life free from love of money. And be content with what you have. For he has said to you, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Friends, God has promised himself to us. We don't need to live for money anymore. Let's pray. Our Lord God, we do thank you for the wealth that you have blessed so many of us with. Help us to be grateful that you provide for us abundantly, far more than just our needs that we have the ability to do so much because of the money that you give to us. 
Now, Lord, we ask this morning that you would keep us from having too high a view of money. Keep us from believing the lie that money can secure us, that money can give us hope, that money can buy us joy and happiness. Lord, money is a good gift, but don't let us make it a God. Help us see that it is a useful tool, but help us to hold on to it lightly. Free us from worry. Free us from guilt in how we use our money. Make us generous because we know that we have been given so much more. That you have promised yourself to us. That you have promised us a place in your kingdom, in your family. That you have united us to yourself and and are looking forward to living with us for eternity. Lord, remind us of this treasure so that we might not hold on to our earthly treasure. Lord, do that in us, we pray. We know we don't have the strength to do it ourselves, and so we ask for your strength this morning. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.